0: Trying something a little different. Trying something a little different tonight. I'm, I'm having a whiskey, as as we're recording this. Don't worry, I'm not playing a drinking game, um, or anything like that. Very foolish, perhaps having a drink, saying like each time Simon Templar lights a cigarette, um, you'd keel over by the end of the episode. Or worse still, if you just had a cigarette smoking game, and had a cigarette every time Simon Templar lit up. Um no, you're being an iron lung by the end of series one.
1: Having rewatched Plague of the Zombies. Cracking. But it is rather splendid, isn't it? Mm. And of course it's got Jacqueline Pierce,
0: one Avengers Point. Yes. And Serverland from Blake Seven. Yes, yeah. You've got obviously old standby Michael Ripper mm. as the cop investigating the case. And at the time what they did is a very smart piece of economy, is they used exactly the same sets and quite a few of the costumes and bits and pieces to make The Reptile, which they um, put out on a double bill. Who wouldn't want to go and see a double bill of that? And guess who's in The Reptile? Spoiler alert, who plays The Reptile? It's Jacqueline Pierce. Really? They're not only use the same costume, same actors. <laughs> and Michael Ripper's in that as well. They probably did it back to back, didn't they? Yeah, there's no point in going home. <laughs> Just sleep in a caravan on site.
1: Now, when I was listening to it, or watching it again, I was listening to John Carson. All right, yeah. As Squire Hamilton. Who hiss? And I thought, hmm, that accent. When you made The Dead Who Walk and Skip and Play, mm. were you channelling John Carson channelling James Mason, or did you just go straight to James Mason?
0: But that's what we were sort of looking at, because um, I think in Halliwell's Film Goers Companion, um, Mr. Carson has a write-up to, to say, British character actor. And saying that, his voice is very similar to James Mason. So you just think, all right, yeah, maybe we can we can do that. Because it has an air of respectability in it. And then you obviously have the carpet pulled from beneath your feet when you realise, oh, he's a wrong and all along. As
1: exactly the doctor in The Dead Who Walk and Skip and Play.
0: Mm. Yeah, who seems so legit and helpful. And of course, the spent time in the Caribbean. Yes. Yeah. A bit of a giveaway. Also, yes. in Halliwell's film guide, it does say about um, it's never actually put forward as to why they didn't hire the living to carry on digging out the mine. It's never, it's never fully explained. You just accept it though, and you ride along with it.
1: Zombies are very reluctant to unionise. Good idea. Never thought of that. Never thought of that. Hello, and welcome to episode eight of Tinted Black and White Television starring responsible adult David Newell and reluctant grown-up Guy Morgan, which is me. We're here to talk about the television that shaped the childhoods of the generation that made the world what it is today. Sorry. So Dave, we've just begun series two of The Saint in the UK and speaking as a producer, I think perhaps it's time to talk about the hard yards of production back then. Previously, we've alluded to, there's 12 episodes in the first UK series of The Saint. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: There's 27 (coughs) in series two. They add up to 39. And adding up to 39, which is a kind of magical number, because a lot of series used to be made for half an hour, or if they were variety shows in the States, they used to be made for a commercial hour. And that would last you two-thirds of the year. So you need an awful lot of stuff for the network. Now, from my understanding, having read around it, and extensive use of Wikipedia and other fine people who have also contributed to the interweb, the first season of The Saint, the first 12 episodes, went down rather well in the UK. Okay, Um, thumbs up. And it was already a production run of 39, but they were having trouble selling it to a network network in america which is kind of the holy grail then and now so what do you do you've got 39 episodes of the saint who are you going to sell them to uh
0: well obviously the yanks to 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 begin with i would next go to australia maybe because uh obviously there's there's less of a language barrier um, although some people may say there's more of a language barrier when it comes to Australia but you've you've also got New Zealand um, as well maybe some of the countries in which it's glamorously utilizes stock footage maybe maybe that might be a way to go ahead so all around Europe because don't forget it's a whirlwind tour cook's tour of Europe the first series you know is in in um, uh, Italy's in um, Spain, Switzerland, yeah, loads of places. So I would go there. But are you going to tell me that um, maybe it's it's the most highest rated series Bolivian TV has ever screened? No, I haven't got that far. There's a couple of other <laughs> things.
1: Some people were saying, well, English speaking countries uh, uh, with the Commonwealth. Why not South Africa? Because they didn't have television. So what's the point? Uh, what, what did they have instead? Was it theatre? And radio. All oh, right. right, okay. Poor. There was actually an Avengers radio series uh, in South Africa and uh, several others, so that was the kind of uh, the big draw. Obviously, working in South Africa, very tricky ethically back mm. in uh, the days of apartheid, which was a bad thing. Let's make that extremely yeah. clear. Yeah, you say America, but if you can't sell it to a network and there are three networks, NBC, CBS, what's the other one? ABC, uh, yeah, and they haven't got a place for your product, so what to do? Canada, Canada, indeed. But all is not lost with America because if you remember Larry Sanders, he always had to go and schmooze with the affiliates. Do you remember? Yes, yes. And who are the affiliates, you might ask? Um, who are the affiliates, guy? (laughs) The affiliates are people who run local TV stations. Imagine you're in the Midwest, Dave. You run okay. a local TV station, a bit like the one in the Mary Tyler Moore show. Okay, yes. Okay, If I got Ed Asner as my boss? Yes, why not? Because then he gets all the grief about how to fill the airtime. Because what you've got, you're local, you've got three hours of news and sport and weather, uh, which is probably why... Th- weather people become uh, such stars. You take three hours of prime time television from the network that you're affiliated to, hence the name affiliate, and if you're broadcasting 18 hours a day that leaves you with 12 hours to fill every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Bit of sport on at the weekend but you know on the whole
0: That's a lot of stuff. How do you feel that? Is is that similar to the way Leeds TV, every once in a while, they they tap into and screen at the same time. I think it's CBS Justice or CBS Legal, Um, and they'll be showing Judge Judy. And um, I I remember a few years ago when my my brother still used to live in Oxford, and uh, they had um, what was known as Oxford Six which was kind of like their local TV station. And they used to screen Honey West with Anne Francis.
1: Well, you can also see that on Talking Pictures TV. It comes around every uh-huh. so often. Talking Pictures obviously have the same challenges. They have more options because of the old mm. films and stuff like that. They have Mike Reed popping up yes, now. And yeah. So that's plain sailing for them. So what do you do? Where do you go? Well, obviously, there's local product that's made in America. Sometimes there'll be people who are making stuff specifically for syndication. And there's also stuff that's past its sell by date or is maybe still continuing on the networks, but has a secondary life. And that goes to the affiliates and that helps clock up stuff. But where else can you pick up English speaking content? Well, Australia, Canada, and of course the UK. Now, you're not going to get it from
0: the BBC. Oh, no. They, would, they wouldn't sell you it. As, as Damon Runyon says, they wouldn't tell you the time, even if they were wearing two watches.
1: And that's partly because they haven't got the resources or the will. They make stuff in very short series. Um, it's shot on tape, which, of course, previously discussed, scans at a different line ratio. So you can't just send the tapes over to the States and expect them to play. So, they would like their stuff on film, thank you very much, preferably 35mm film. Now, where the um, Brits actually managed to cunningly get around this, is if they can't shoot on 35mm film, they'll shoot on 16 and blow it up and send it over. Which is why some of the stuff, when it's retrieved from the vaults, looks a bit soft and grainy. Um, but there you go. So, you have people looking for English-speaking content And you have Lou Grade and ITC just itching to sell to the huge market over in North America.
0: Does Lou have
1: a vision? He probably does if he can see through the cigar smoke. (laughs) So that is why if you can't sell to a network, you can sell it into syndication. Now, there are middlemen. They would have been mostly men (laughs) who would be able to engineer this. And then you would have your runs you still have to produce a lot because ideally it's like people who buy books by the yard to fill their shelves i but want familiarity they just want content preferably want content under one single banner because if you can provide 66 shows that's three network seasons but if you can provide those 66 shows then an affiliate station can run them strip them across the entire week it would be better if you had 88 shows and ideally have at least a hundred because then you can strip stuff Monday to Friday across the same time and that's 20 weeks. That's nearly half the year before you have to repeat yourself. Mm. So that's the kind of thing that The Saint offered and eventually uh, it does so well in syndication in the uh, first two US syndication seasons it gets picked up as a summer replacement by NBC as a network. More money goes into color. More
0: exposure.
1: Yeah, and unquestionably helped Roger Moore become 007, because he had to keep turning the job down because of his TV commitments.
0: Oh!
1: Anyway, that's the sort of situation that you're in. Now, for the Americans, it's a vast monster, the production business. For the UK, We've got a lot of highly skilled people who used to work on very tight budgets and therefore quite cheap. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, that's a good consideration. But if if you want to produce a lot of episodes, say you want to produce 22 episodes, you're going to have to do that probably within, I don't know, eight, nine months. Now, how long do you think it took to film an episode of... The Avengers on the film, or Gideon's Way,
0: or the Saint. All right, okay. Now I remember reading that when the X Files were at the height of their powers, they used to be able to almost, almost do an episode in about eight days, which is pretty damn good. I mean, they're obviously all Tommy tired at the end of that filming an episode in all in all that Canadian rain. <laughs> so I would say, um, going back to the sixties, um, I'm going to guess they might be able to do one in fourteen days.
1: No, they did it in 10. That was their show. And it was quite tough. I mean, that's principal photography. You have pickups and maybe a bit of second unit. When the Avengers got into their stride, they ran two, maybe three crews and filmed three shows simultaneously, which has an impact on the storyline. Why do Steed and Mrs. Peel or Steed and Tara King often go their separate ways during an adventure. But the answer is they're filming something else down the road or in the next door studio. Uh, And then they meet up, go over their lines in the canteen and actually do their scenes and particularly the tag scenes together in a very short space of time. Linda Thorson, whose birthday it is incidentally, coming up on Sunday, I think it is. All um, oh, right, oh, Congratulations, Linda. I hope she gets a lovely cake. And um, I think she's 75, but she's still uh. working and mm-hmm. has been sadly neglected on the Talking Pictures TV calendar.
0: Oh, right. Who's, was, a, who's on instead of her?
1: Um, I haven't got it to hand, but they also ignored uh, Patrick Mcnee's centenary. So, you know, come on, chaps. It may be a little late. Yeah. Maybe may 2024. You have to make that correction. You've probably got the 2023 20, one printed. But those are omissions that can be cured. Anyway, that's the situation. Do you think that there's any time for rehearsal?
0: Uh now I remember reading um in, in William Goldman's fab book, Adventures in the Screen Trade, um, about saying that even on big budget films, um rehearsal time is actually really rare. You know, it's it's very rare. Mainly it's it's down to do with budget. And mainly it's down to do with time constraints. So if a big bucks film can't do it, I would imagine TV might be a little bit harder. I mean, I don't know. Would they have had what was what is known as like a table read? You know, everyone's sat round uh, and everyone's chipping in with their parts that they've they've got. Um, probably a lowly production assistant making the sound effects, um, sound effects, noises. It's like a Foley artist in the corner of the room, I don't know. Or um, it, would it just turn up and just go, right, we're going to go with this now. Crikey, what am I doing? I think they get the scripts beforehand. Tandy.
1: <laughs> and they presumably have to learn them and all that experience in theatre probably helps all that all that rep training now in studio based shows where they kind of recorded as live and i am using the avengers studio production as an example by chance they used to have a week to rehearse camera moves learn their lines all that sort of stuff they used to do it in a rehearsal room then they used to go on set uh, and then they used, just used to record the whole thing within an hour, almost no retakes, which is why when you watch some of those studio ones, hmm. there are some, it'll be all right on the night fluffs, and particularly with props, props are a bit of a nightmare. Right. But you don't get that in film, basically, because everyone else is working. You've got a director who's trying to work out how the shots and the sets and stuff like that. So it seems to me they have a couple of quick run-throughs And then they go for it. And they can do retakes. It's Mm. just best not to. Um, (laughs) We'll cover it in the edit. When they were filming The Avengers, their budget for each episode, the black and white episodes starring Diana Rigg, was £25,000. And not insubstantial amount in those days. But they were going over budget because they wanted the show to be decent. Obviously, when the American money came in and they went into colour and you could run... Three separate units. It was pretty much a machine. And with The Saint, you've got Robert Baker. Robert S. Baker. Robert S. Baker and Monty Berman, Mm -hmm. who actually met each other during the war in the film unit. And they both lived into their 90s. Oh, well done. Yeah. And then there's... Harry W. Junkin, who started off in radio in Canada... Well, I say started off. He went into advertising, then started writing scripts, then became a radio producer, then moved into television, and then came over here. And he basically was the script showrunner. They didn't use those terms in those days for The Saint. And he used to farm out scripts based on stories by Leslie Charteris and then might have to write some themselves. Would you like to hazard a guess... Because I don't know, I'm speaking, speaking to you as a writer, Dave, how long would okay. you need to write a 48
0: minute TV script? All right. OK, I think, oh, um, I don't know, probably, you know, in case you have to do any research or anything like that. Um, I would know if you'd feel comfortable with rewrites, you know, and if someone's feeding back in regarding that, um, I would say or hope at least a week. Um, but I fear that that's not the answer.
1: Now, I think we can be a bit more generous than that. I mean, there, there would be a bit of to and fro because obviously you're not under the same tremendous time constraints or production pressure as you are if you're trying to get stuff in the can because you've got the luxury of writing the scripts but they're not going to hang around for you to suck the end of your pen and stare out of the window for inspiration. They, they're going to want something back within two weeks, I would have
0: thought. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's oh, it's a, it's a Barton Fink situation. You know, you can't go into the meeting and just go, well, I don't like to say much about what I'm writing and most of it is up here. That's not going to wash, I would imagine. Um, no, we need to see something on full scat, and I need to see it now. And. These guys were,
1: there's quite a few writers credited, but as Brian Clemens says in, I think it's one of the um, extra featurettes on the Adam Adamant DVD, that basically there's only about a dozen guys who were writing this sort of thing, which is why the same old names keep cropping up. Mm. Very few women, I think possibly we could get into that at some point, later episode there we have it it's an absolutely massive intensive operation and really you are making something every 10 days and the writers are probably being asked to uh, fill in stuff and they'll be also be working for other shows um, as well so it's a crazy full-time job it must have been quite fun but not necessarily at the time
0: I guess once you've got the reputation of being you know (laughs) quite um efficient and you know a a good turnaround time and know the rules and play the game uh you would you would be in demand wouldn't you you would You would all right hey you know who we need we need that guy who types all night um you know get me get me him uh we we need that rather than someone who like you said require time to suck the end of a pen and gaze out the window and have the idea wrenched from them in a difficult birthing process. So there we go. That explains the stuff
1: that's going on under the bonnet of the saint. And, okay, okay, it might sound like incredibly arcane detail, but it does have an effect on... The storytelling process uh
0: yeah and sometimes you know the the way that we watch television um is sometimes changed by by tv programs very famously um when inspector morse um first came to to tv and anthony Minghella was one of the writers involved in the early stages of that um he came up with the crazy idea of saying maybe we could spread this over two hours and the idea of, of two hours two hours of tv it did. It changed. And all of a sudden we had that notion of, yeah, we can have long form drama, long form drama in long form. Um, uh, so yes, yeah, sometimes, you know, there's, there's those innovations, um, which do come from writing, you know, when Andrew Davis did, uh, Bleak House, he did the same kind of thing. You know, well, let's tell this in a Dickens type of way. Let's just have half hour episodes as if it's a serial like the original book was published.
1: Yeah, I mean, that really helps. Those are very rare examples of writers
0: with clout. Mm, yeah, to be able to say, oh, I think it'd be nice if you did this. Rather than the other way around. Writers being clouted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is the
1: usual case. But if you've got a reputation uh, about delivering 50 pages onto the desk at the Mm -hmm. right time, then stuff can be fixed, either in the shoot or the edit, and what you need is those pages. Yeah. Well, for everyone who put all that effort in to those classic television shows, we say thank you. And we salute you. We do indeed. And we will salute you further and possibly even name check you in the next episode of Rose Tinted Black and White Television. This has been episode eight. My co-host is David Newell. I'm Guy Morgan. Thank you very much for listening. Catch the review show over on Soundstage North SoundCloud channel. We will be back again.